what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Brothers in Tech is a weekly podcast focused on personal and home technology, helping provide you, our fellow brothers and sisters in tech, with some information, assistance, and recommendations. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson, and to my left on the screen, but it's my right as I'm tilting my head over to him, it's Brian Jackson. Brian, how are you? Did uh, I'm doing, actually, I'm doing great because I'm assuming I moved to the left side of the screen for a reason. Is that is that of importance? Yeah. Is that... Um, what exactly what's it's the, honestly what's just here? the order i clicked buttons on but watch see how easy it is so for I was, me to just oh, switch it and change yeah. it so does that work better for you i'd rather be on the, this side no i mean it, it's i don't know it felt good while it lasted but um, <laughs> <laughs> short-lived short-lived i just figured you know maybe even if you clicked on me first maybe i was first on your mind you know to get me up no, there first but, i'm no. pretty sure that wasn't it so okay no, all right sure well, I'm good. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not as good now, but yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It's a little colder yeah. over here on this side of the screen, but it is. I, I try to keep that side of the screen a little, uh, little, little uh, cooler temperature than I do over here. It's nice and balmy, warm over on the left yeah, hand I'm side. I'm just going to try scooting this way. See if I can get a little right. warmer. <laughs> and I, uh, I know people listening on audio are just like, I have oh, no idea what they're talking about. So, yeah, this is great. Now. Yeah. Um, this is Brothers in Tech. So Brian and I are actual brothers. We get together. We talk about technology. But we talk about technology from a home and personal or family technology standpoint. Uh, things we use every day. Things we may be interested in adding to our home uh, technology platforms. Things we may be interested in trying uh, new technologies we're introducing, all of that. That's what we're here to do. We also bring in a lot of our own recommendations and suggestions of things from time to time and even have uh, some efficiency uh, up to, uh, tips and tricks, things to help you be a little more efficient with your own use of technology in your life. So all that's kind of the show that we put together. But a lot of it's just me and Brian just talking trash to each other because really this is the only time we get together and talk every week so you're you're yeah. hearing natural brother interaction here um me being the slightly older brother brian the younger, much younger brother brother well, mm-hmm. right. all debatable all debatable we let the, we let the audience de- <laughs> yeah. determine these things so so alan um, real quick on that on that note okay. since you mentioned not that note but the note before um since you talked about obviously our goal is home technology do you feel like Having started this podcast over the last, what, two years? We've been doing it for about two years, right? Almost. Do you feel like you like mm-hmm. challenge yourself more with technology now? Are you are you constantly trying to, to you know, do new things I, that you wouldn't I, I don't have been think doing anymore. before? Just to, to, no. I don't okay. think any more than I was. I'm a little more aware of it. Yeah. Before, yeah. I was always just throwing new technology out. I'm always trying Hey, this sounds sure. like a cool device. Let me see if this would work. Let me see if this Test would help. That app out. Now that yep. there's actually a show as we're, I'm using new technology, I'm constantly thinking, ooh, this is something really interesting. I think it'd be yeah. good to share with others. So I never yeah. thought about the sharing of it before. We did this show, but now, yeah, anytime I introduce a new technology here in the house or in my personal life, I'm thinking, is this something that others could also find some use in and benefit yeah. from for yeah. sure? Yeah. Can I, mm-hmm. can I explain this to others? Can others benefit right. from it? And, uh, mm-hmm. 
I keep trying to to make the excuse that maybe this is, you know, this podcast is a good reason to buy to technology. <laughs> I haven't gotten quite to that point where I feel like yeah. um, I can make that excuse to my wife, but um, you know, I tried, maybe I tried that rationale. Maybe it would happen, but yeah. Well, fine. I'm afraid I'm doing just as much as I was before the podcast, so I can't really use that yeah. as an argument. So uh, yeah. um, I feel a little more justified in doing these things now than I did before. Okay. Oh, uh, Cause I feel yeah. like now I'm using it as a, it's a, it's a learning opportunity for me and others. So yeah. Um, tax write-off. And act- Can it be a tax write-off? No. Uh, we're working on it, man. Yeah. Okay. Well, we need, or we still need, look, if you uh, have a company that makes any type of technology and you'd like for people to try it out and to talk about it on a, on a yeah. very, very popular online show, um, let us know. We'd be happy to try out your new technology and uh, put it through the spaces and talk about it on this show. Uh, we'd be very happy to do that. So, sure. Yep. Yeah. I think there's a pretty good chance we'll talk well about it. I'm not saying that we would, <laughs> look, you know, <laughs> I'm not saying honestly, we would lie. I'm just saying look, there's if a the technology good is cool, we'll some good positive things. Yeah. If, it, if the technology is cool, I'll say anything you want me to say about it. So just tell, <laughs> actually just send me the script, say, this is what I would like for you to say about my product. And I'm like, all right, here we go. Perfect. Uh, we can be bought, I guess is what I'm saying. We have no problem with that. Um, Brian, in the spirit of the idea of talking about some technology we're introducing into our life and maybe using it as a good teaching opportunity, that's what I was hoping we'd do today. Uh, yeah. I do want to talk about a newer technology that I'm introducing into my house for several specific reasons, but I also think this is maybe a technology that could be useful to others. Uh, and I'm not going to say it's automatically useful to everybody. I don't think this is a universal applicable technology, but I do think there's going to be some cases out there where this is going to be very helpful. Okay. Um, yep. And what I'm talking about or what I'm introducing is the idea of a NAS, an NAS. And Brian, do you, do you know what those three letters, what they stand uh, for? Network access storage. Is that right? Access. Network network accessible storage. Accessible. Yeah, you Thank you. Right. Yeah. Accessible. Yep. Yeah. And network yep. accessible storage. Um, so the idea of a network accessible storage, this is something that's been around for quite a while, probably a lot more popular, or not probably, definitely a lot more popular and useful in a business or enterprise or other type of organizational need. But in the last couple of years, I've seen a lot more influx of this into a home environment. And that's what prompted me to also look at this as a as something to introduce into my home. And it's going to be a benefit to me personally, as well as my family and people that I have communications with. And I'll explain why in, in a little most, bit. But most importantly, you, right? I mean, Most importantly, me. No, no, right, it has right. to be extremely beneficial to me. Uh, before it's beneficial to anybody else. If anybody else gets benefit mm-hmm. out of it, it's kind of like it's, that's that's gravy. That's icing on the cake. Yeah, uh, that's it has to right help. Now. It has to serve me first, and this absolutely serves me first. Brian, you you remember I spent an entire episode of this show talking about my love of backing up data and how to yeah, do that. that was, right? it, it was riveting. It was absolutely riveting. Yep. I looked at our yep. stats. I do still think it's probably one of our highest rated episodes. <laughs> Is it is it because you you know backed up your copy of downloading the show? I download it and I back it up like eighty sometimes, times. and that helps our numbers. So yeah, 
Um, Interesting. Okay. Backup is, is kind of a, a thing for me. Um, backing up my computer, making sure all my back files are backed up because, you know, as we talked about just over the last couple of weeks, I have had an incident where I did lose my laptop. I mean, my laptop died. The logic board died. And because it's a newer computer and the way Apple makes computers, that means the hard drive on it or the storage on it is also dead. So luckily I had a backup. If I didn't have a backup, I would have been really in a tough spot. Um, but it did cause me to think, okay, I need to make sure my backup here is as solid as I can get it. But I also have some other reasons to look at this, what we're going to talk about, this network accessible storage. So Brian, you're, you're used to the, uh, let me pull up a, a visual aid. I think when we talk about drives, like external storage, thinking about storing things outside of your computer. Most people are thinking or used to, you know, you've got your hard drives, your, your drives that are, you can buy at any com- computer or electronic store. Uh, heck, you can buy them at you know, Walmart, Target or whatever. I mean, it's just, and it just connects to your computer. It is an extra storage. So you've got your storage already in your computer, your internal storage, but you need more. Some people, yeah. if they have a, a drive where they maybe uh, store all of their older files that they don't need anymore, they just want to keep a backup of it somewhere. Or uh, maybe there's a whole lot of photos and video that you don't want to put all on your internal computer, you put them on a drive. This is great. These are pretty inexpensive. These are easy to get. But there's a couple drawbacks to this locally connected storage. One, it has to be physically connected to your computer. If you're a laptop user, that can be a little challenging because, you know, laptops meant to be where you can move it from place to place. So either you're having to constantly keep this connected to your laptop while you move around, or you have to disconnect it, which means you don't have it with you everywhere you go necessarily. So it becomes a little of a physical restriction and then it's only accessible to you on your computer. So in most cases, if you've got other people in your home on a home network, on your home Wi-Fi, it's not, there are tools to do it, but it's not super easy to just make this then accessible to everybody else. Okay. So if they needed these same photos and videos, you'd have to unplug this drive, give it to them. They have to get it and then give it back to you. So forth. The idea of a network accessible storage kind of alleviates a lot of that. All right. And uh, I actually have a, I prepared a fancy graphic, Brian. Are you ready for this? Oh, I, I am super excited. Whoa. All right. How's yeah. that? Is that nice? And you have a graphics background, don't you? That's just... I do. I do. Mm-hmm. It's, I hope it's clear mm-hmm. from, from what I just did here. Um, yes. This, Col- for those of you listening on audio, yeah. uh, I've put up a beautiful graphic that has the letters NAS, NAS, and it is referred to as NAS. That's what people call it. Uh, network accessible storage. The main reasons you would look at a network accessible storage unit, uh, these are the four that really are important to me. I think there's some others, but this is the four main ones for me. First and foremost, it is a good backup um, device for you because the difference with a network accessible storage is that it is connected directly to your network. It's not connected directly to your computer. So if you have a, uh, a, a, you know, your internet comes into your home and it goes to probably your, your router that the uh, internet provider gave you that actually brings the signal into your house, that box, then a lot of people have a wireless network set up in their home. Yeah. So, you know, it's, or sometimes they're combined, but 
somewhere along the line, there is a place more than likely where you can plug in devices, uh, a, a hardwired Ethernet connection into your device, either at the router or on your Wi-Fi network hub or something. That's what this does is this connects into your, your network. So it plugs into your network. It does not connect directly to any one computer. Okay. But it is a big storage drive. It is a big hard drive. Basically it's like this on steroids. It is, you know, (laughs) much, much bigger storage capability. And because it's connected to the network, anybody in your network on your home Wi-Fi network, or as we'll talk about, even outside of your network, could get access to it. You could give them access to it. So you then have capability of sharing files with people outside of your home, as well as all within your home. Okay. But think about backup first. Let me let me talk about the idea of backup first. Is that right now, if I want to backup my laptop, I have to physically plug a, a cable with a drive up to my laptop and say, okay, run the backup. Yeah. So if I leave my laptop on all night and I've got the drive connected, yeah, it can back up my computer overnight. And then I remove the drive when I leave in the morning, go to work or whatever. And I could do it again later that night. But with a NAS, I can actually set that as my backup storage. And anytime my laptop is in my home, doesn't matter if it's on my desk, connected anywhere, it will see that network storage unit and back up to it automatically. Even better, if there are multiple computers in your house, you can set all of them to use that one NAS device as its shared backup. So my son is home with his laptop, boom, it's automatically backing up when he's using the laptop or has the laptop open, it's backing up to the to the storage. My wife's laptop's backing up to the storage. My laptop's backing up there. So I've got one location where everybody's backups are going and saving. Okay. So that's, that's one big key advantage of network accessible storage is you're not limited to what's physically connected to your own computer for backing up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Lance, can I just from, yeah. since I'm, I'm listening as the person who has not set up um, yeah. a, a network accessible storage. So I'll, I'll come in with some questions that may or clarifications just to make sure I've got sure. this correct. So, so when people are thinking of backup solutions, which I know gets you super excited, um, very excited. The uh, so the difference here is that if you are plugging the drive, like you held up the example of the the external hard drive, plug that into a laptop uh, or a computer, and as long as that computer is on and connected, then potentially you have access to it. You have access to it mm-hmm. from other places, or you have access to it from that computer. There are ways of doing that. Right. What you're saying is that the problem with this is that if I go to my laptop, take my laptop away and I unplug what's going on, then we then we have an issue of nobody else can access that information. Right. So that particular hard drive is not accessible if the computer is not then also connected to the network and brought through. Right. The on the flip side of this, you've got let's say Google Drive or Dropbox or one of these, that's a, what we'll call a cloud backup, right? Mm-hmm. The difference there yep. is that, yes, everybody can access access that from anywhere that you have a network, but it is not physically located in your hands. And so therefore, so, so really what you're saying is that this becomes kind of the, 
the the nice in between of a cloud backup which has speed issues of backing it up and mm-hmm. a in a uh, hardwired backup yeah. which is only available if that computer is on and accessible to other people so you really have kind of this going in the middle to say well my network is always on my wi-fi at my home is always on if that's always on, then at least I now have storage that is always available, right? Correct. That's kind of what you're, yeah, yeah, that's the beauty of this thing, right? Is that I don't need a computer on. I don't need, I don't need slowness of uploading it to services online. I own this thing, but I also have it always accessible. So that's the beauty, right? That is right. So it is, an, it is, let me, I'm going to stop the screen sharing because I do want to show, because I've got one here. I mean, this this is a, a network accessible storage device that I'm putting in at my house right now. It is its own. It has its own operating system built into it. It is a computer that's running this. It just function. It's, it's primary function is to serve data throughout your, your network. Okay. okay. So it is a standalone device. You're right. I, any any data I store on this, uh, I, my computer does not have to be on right. um, for somebody to, to to get it to have access to it. Um, this is an always on device. This is meant to be twenty four seven sitting somewhere in your house, and it doesn't matter if you are your laptop is in your bedroom or uh, desktop that got moved somewhere else, or you've got three desktop computers in your house all trying to use it. It's independent of that. It is it is yeah. self-functioning as its own on its on its own on your network. Okay. Yep. Yep. So you start to think about applications on this. Obviously, the backup I mentioned, that's pretty key mm-hmm. for me. Is I, I really want to make sure that my laptop <laughs> is being backed up all the time. Oh, we know. Oh, yeah. We know. <laughs> um, but even if I'm sitting, you know, over here on the couch and I'm not here at my desk plugged in, I still want to know that it's backed up. Yeah. Or getting backed up possibly. And that's where having that drive on the network is really helpful instead of it being physically plugged up to my computer. Um, But beyond backup, there's other things too, that once you have this always on device, this device that is meant to run 24 seven sitting in a, on a cabinet or shelf or wherever you want to put it, you have other functions too. Now, Brian, we've talked about media servers in the past. We've talked about uh, a service called Plex which mm-hmm. you and I have both either have used or currently use for storing and serving up um, movies or home videos or other media we have available to us. Yeah. The thing with a media server, like if you want to have one in your house, it's great, but it needs to be on a computer that is running all the time because otherwise the minute you want to watch that movie, if that computer is not on, then you can't, you can't watch it. You can't access it. So, yeah. A NAS, most NASs, especially the one I showed there, is meant to serve as a media server. So you can actually install your media server application, in this case, Plex being one that we use. You can install Plex right onto this NAS and have it serve your media library. So imagine now this box is sitting somewhere in my home network. It's all it's backing up all my computers and it's got all of my home movies and other movies I own and media that I can now watch from any of my Apple TV devices. I can watch from my laptop. I can watch from another computer anywhere in my, my network and it's available to everybody. NASA's are built for 
multi-user access. So the idea is that I could be pulling up a movie in my den on my Apple TV that is seeing my NAS sitting over here and pulling a movie from it. And my son upstairs could also be pulling up a movie at the same time. And it's meant for handling multi-use access at the same time. So you're not going to have any buffering issues with it. Um, that's that's really fun too. Um, so it does serve as a media server. Plex is a mm-hmm. very popular media server platform. It's an open source. It's a free platform you can install. And then you just load all your movies into that that NAS drive and, and, and um, import it into your media server. And it's there and it's ready to serve up to everybody. Yeah. Um, now, the thing I haven't mentioned yet about the NAS as much, at least hinted at, but I think really starts to set it apart even more so, is the idea that because this is sitting on your network, most common NAS systems will allow you to go in and configure if you want to have the media or files on that network storage to be available to anybody outside of your home network. So people could actually use it as a remote drive. Brian, Mm -hmm. I could give you access to this drive and say, hey, you've got access to it. You would be able to open it up and see it as a connected network drive on your finder, on your, your, your desktop, and open it up just like it was in your own house and view the files and play the files just like it was in your own house. Now, of course, you've got some internet speed that you need to consider, you know, if you've got a good internet speed at the place where the NAS is located and you've got a decent internet speed on your end, then you can actually open up a movie and watch a movie off of my NAS from your home network. If anybody's internet is slower at any point in that chain, it's obviously going to take more work to get it to happen, but it's technically feasible to do it. If your internet's good enough to support it. Um, That's where things get kind of exciting because then again, I can have my media server, which has got a whole bunch of home movies on it of all my kids growing up and me and my wife, when we got married, all these things. And I could actually turn it loose and say, Hey, Brian, here's, here's where it is on my network storage. Hey, all my other family members, here it is. Open it up and just go in and open up movies and view what you want to view off that drive. And then if you've got something you want to put on there, you would actually be able to copy something to it and it would copy to this network storage device. Yeah, that's cool. So again, it's taking the idea of a simple external hard drive and saying, all right, what if we actually made it available to everybody on the network? We made it uh, multifunctional where it could run things on its own and it could serve out to people outside of our network all at the same time. And that's really what a NAS is meant to do. Um, so that's where it kind of gets exciting. So Brian, what I'm yeah. doing with my, my NAS, the reason I'm, I'm investing in building this, um, I did have a, a hard drive for all of my backup storage that I still have. It still works. It's really slow. It's old. I've probably had it 10 years now. And it has been sitting on my network. So I've actually had a kind of a very small version of like a little NAS before, but it was one drive. It was slow and old sitting on my network. And the only thing it was really good for was backup. And that's it. So it's about so less the, legs. This was the Western Digital that you've brought up yeah. before. That the Western spin, Digital. spinning drive, right? It was yeah, a spinning my, drive. Uh, yeah. Western Digital My Book Live. Yep. Plus, I think it was only uh, two terabytes, which I mean, at the time was great. That's all I ever needed. But now I wouldn't mind having more storage. Um, So this is going to replace that. Two, the other second 
thing that's going to help me do is um, I had a laptop that it was serving, an old laptop that was serving as my Plex server sitting in my cabinet. Well, that laptop is dead. For whatever reason, laptops around me are just dying left and right. So my question was, I still wanted to have a Plex media server because I still use it quite often and I have other family members who use it, but I didn't really want to go and invest in a whole nother computer or get a whole nother computer just to sit there to do that. So that was need number two. And then Brian, something you mentioned just last week, Homebridge, um, you yeah. were setting yeah. up Homebridge on your, your home network and playing around with that. Homebridge, uh, for those who weren't with us before, that was a uh, open source kind of system that you could use that will allow you to take non-HomeKit home, uh, home home remote control or home uh, automation devices yep. and connect them into your HomeKit network. Um, but it requires it to run 24-7 on something. It needs yeah. to be sitting on a device running all the time. So I thought, well, maybe I'll get a Raspberry Pi or get some other mini computer to do that. Honestly, the NAS is going to handle all of that. So I kind of looked in my my head. I'm like, if I went out and bought another drive to use for all my backup and I went out and bought a little mini computer to run Homebridge, and if I got uh, something to run a media media server, if I did all those things together cost-wise, it makes better sense for me to invest in this one NAS box and use that for everything because you can install homebridge on this nas anything that's like a self-running app that needs to be on your network 24 7 that can most of all the common ones can be downloaded or installed directly into this nas because it is its own computer it has its own operating system you navigate through a web browser to get to it and to kind of install things on it and configure Mm -hmm. it the way you want so it's going to serve three needs for me that I was going to have to probably have three different devices to do to use before. Now I've got it all in one. Um, nice. Nice. Now, Brian, I haven't talked about probably what people most commonly think of when they think of a NAS unit. And unfortunately, the so you have the unit, you have to put drives, like hard drives inside of it. Okay. It by default doesn't come with drives itself unless you buy like a bundle that already has them installed. So my hard drives were supposed to be here on Monday and they did not make it. Amazon is delayed with them. They will be here tomorrow. So unfortunately my unit, this itself is just an empty box. (laughs) But what happens is it has slots on the inside where your drives will go. Okay. This is what makes it really kind of interesting as well is that mine has two slots most NAS systems have anywhere from two up to like, I've seen eight slots. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's other configurations, but I've seen four, I've seen eight slots. So however many drives you want to put in here, you need to make sure you've got a NAS that will accommodate that many drives. But what it does is that it will take these two slots of hard drives. If I only have one hard drive to start with, I can just put one in and it will still work with one, but it really shines with two for a couple of reasons. Uh, I've got two eight terabyte drives coming to me. So that's a total of 16 terabytes that would be available in here. If I put both of those two, and these are the raw hard drives that you can just buy, you know, at Best Buy, you can buy other places where they just sell like raw internal hard drives. They're the ones that when you open them up or look at them, you can actually see the circuit boards on the inside. They're not closed up yeah. like, like these guys are. 
These are the raw internal ones that go inside your, your, your computer. But I basically am going to take and put one into a tray, insert it into the NAS, and then right when I insert it, it then the NAS box will then take it and kind of add it to your network. It will format it the first time. So you can't put in a drive that's already got a bunch of stuff on it because it is going to need to format it to work within your NAS system. Yeah. But if I put in an eight terabyte drive, I've now got eight terabytes on my, my system. But I put in a second eight terabyte drive, I've got an option. I can either tell the NAS that I want to use all of it together as like one big storage device, which means I'm going to have 16 terabytes of storage. Or I can say, you know what? I want one of these drives to be my data. I want the other drive to always be a backup of the first drive. So think about that. If you put all of your home videos and photos and movies and all that on here, and that's the only place they live is on that one drive, then you may be wise to say, let's make the second drive a backup of that. So I always have a backup of my files. Now, my time machine backup, if it goes on here, do I need to have my time machine backed up, backed up, backed up again? If you're talking to Alan Jackson, yes, you do. You have to have three <laughs> copies. You need most three people, NASes to make sure. Most people, yeah. you don't need it. I mean, if you're just using it for backup, you don't need to have that redundancy where it's going to copy onto both drives because then you're basically going to have three copies of everything. Yeah, because you're saying your, your time, own, time machine is a is your own computer, then a backup, that's right. and then you yeah. don't need another backup. backup. So I don't need time machine also backed up to another yeah. drive. You know, so so you can configure it. But that's the nice thing about it. You can configure it the way you want. What's great too is that this system will allow you to monitor and alert you when it detects that a drive is going bad. The drive is starting to have some fail points or issues. And you can set it to where if you have enough storage on the other drive, you can try to have everything copied over to one. So then that way you can just take out the one drive that's gone bad or going bad and replace it. When you pop it in, the NAS system can then reconfigure it and start using it like it was before. Um, So you never really have to take it down. Like the unit can just be on all the time. You can actually hot hot swap these drives out as long as they're not actually in use at the moment, and uh, pop in a new one if one's going bad. So, so Alan, let me let me let me yeah. kind of restress what you just said sure. to make sure people understand that that is that is the beauty of this type of system is that so if I go and buy a I have a Western Digital My Passport little external mm-hmm. drive that I use. I'll use this to back up. Occasionally, just plug it in, do a backup of uh, my computer. Um, once I fill that up, I'm kind of done, right? I either have to go and duplicate it with another one, which means now if I want, so let's just say, what is this? Sorry, I don't even know. I'm assuming this is like maybe a, a terabyte or something. So if I fill up the terabyte and now I want a second terabyte, it means I need a second of those drives, both of which get plugged in if you want access to both of them, right? Correct. The beauty of your system is that if you fill up one, if you wanted to go and buy a second one, plug it in. Now, of course, you've got two slots and you're filling those, but if you had one that eight slots and you were only filling two of them and you said, oh, wow, my gosh, I, I'm going crazy with, with storage right now, I could just add another drive 
and still get access to the other ones that are already there. You didn't have to waste the other ones. Um, it's like when, you know, many of us used flash drives for a long time and it used to be such a big thing where it's like, oh, give me a flash drive and I'm storing stuff on this and taking computer to computer. But notice that our flash drives kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Now I need one that's, you know, this number of megabytes, this number of megabytes, this needs a terabyte, you know. It was always because you had no use for the old one. So it was very wasteful. So to me, yeah. the, what excites me about this is that it's less waste in that you are future-proofing yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other big important piece that makes sure people understand, you've got two hard drives in that NAS, but yet only, you can make it so that only one drive is showing up. Correct. You've got one drive showing up on yeah. your computer that is both of them together. So it's seamlessly working those things together to yeah. show you and- one thing, Right. And you're able to control that, how that all looks and works within the yeah. system itself. So it, it's using a technology called RAID, which I'm not going to get into a lot of details on, but RAID is this idea, it's R-A-I-D. It's this mm-hmm. idea of use, taking multiple hard drives and somehow combining them or uh, using them in tandem with each other. There's different levels of RAID. One level is just, I'm going to take both drives, like you said, Brian, and I'm going to create one drive out of it. So I think that's like a RAID 1, if I remember correctly, where it's like, okay, if I've got two eight terabyte drives in here, I want it to be seen as one drive on my computer. Yeah. So it's going to say, oh, great. I'm just going to combine them together. And when you copy something to that network drive, it is just going to copy it to the drive. You don't need to worry about if it's going on to drive one or drive two. It's just got it as one drive. But then you can set up a different RAID, which I think might be a RAID 2, which is, nope, I want to have one drive, and I only want to see one drive. But then the other drive is kind of hidden in the background, and it's just a a constant duplicate of that first drive. That's if you're putting sensitive uh, documents or important uh, media on here that you only have the one copy of going on that, that, that NAS then using that second drive as a backup is a really good strategy because then you know that you've got a backup all the time of that. So what's great is you've got the two, if you make it work that way and you've got two drives that are identical to each other and they're always backing each other up, one of them starting to go bad. Okay, great. Well, I just take that one out, pop in a new drive, and then it will automatically back up to that yeah. new drive immediately. So it just mm-hmm. kind of depends what you're going to put on here. If you're going to use it for backup itself and it's, truly back up and it's stuff that you already have a copy of somewhere originally on your computer, then it probably makes good sense to make it one big drive and just use it as much for backup as you can. But if you are going to store things on here, the only copy of things like my media server, I'm not going to have my media files anywhere else. They're going to sit on this device. So I'm going to want them to be backed up somewhere in case that drive were to go bad or I I don't want to lose them. Um, These NAS systems, Brian, just, to let you know too, have USB ports on them. So so a lot of people, if they're not using their NAS as a backup device, they're using it for actually file storage and putting up media files. You can plug up a USB drive whenever you want to and have it run a backup to that external USB drive of what's on your NAS. So just think about if if you don't want to tie up one of your drives as a backup drive, you want to use all of it as storage. Well, okay, then go out and get a inexpensive USB drive and just, you know, every week or so you want to just go and plug it up and say, just use this as a backup of what's on here. So again, there's a lot of configuration options. It's going to depend yeah. on what you're putting on here and how you want to use it. Um, 
Is it possible to have your two hard drives be seen as two hard drives? I believe so. Yes. Okay. So you could actually I haven't have it to where you can into tap yet, into but... one versus mm-hmm. tap into the other and keep your files separate. Um, mm-hmm. So, so let's think in, in you can in also the, give the ideal access. world, Alan. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say in the ideal world, then we could have maybe, let's say I have a NAS with three slots. I could have a hard drive in one. I could have a hard drive in the second one and say those two are going to be, one's going to be a backup of the other one. Yep. And then maybe I could have the third hard drive, which is for everyone else in my family mm-hmm. in case that goes kaput. I don't care. I didn't back it yep. up because mine, I'm going to get backed up, but theirs, I don't care. Right. Yeah. So technically you could kind of separate it out in a number of different ways when you've got these multiple drives. Yes. Right. I mean, that's Absolutely. the beauty of this. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you yep. can continue to change the way that you, you set them up if you, as long sure. as you're, you know, backing up what's mm-hmm. there. Right. That's very yeah. cool. Yep. So you brought up a good point, like talking about the remote access, like yep. you could actually set up because again, when you go into, and I'm using Synology as an example, because that's the device I bought. That's the one that's a pretty well-known vendor of these NAS systems. This is the disk station DS220, which is what I'm, I've got right here. Um, it actually has a, a an operating system in it. So as you can see from the screenshots here, you would actually go to like a web interface and actually operate your NAS from like its own interface and make decisions on um, settings and how it's going to be configured and all that. Another area where you can configure things is saying, are there certain folders inside this NAS that I want to share with people and give them access to? Do I want to give them access to the entire drive? Do I want to give them access to the whole NAS? You can get pretty granular with what access you're giving to who um, from that. And all it takes is you can send, it's a link or an address that you would send to somebody else outside of your home network. They'd be able to click on it, add it as a network drive on their finder, and they may have to authenticate login password, which will determine what access level they've got within your your storage to see things. Um, it will work with mm-hmm. mobile devices, so I can connect to it through a mobile device just fine as well. Um, here it talks about all the different type of file systems you can incorporate into how you you organize your files on here. Um, yep, yeah, a lot of things. I mean, the, the NAS systems are really meant for a lot of high security level use of data. So there's got a lot of security protocols built into the device. Um, yeah, here you see the unit itself, the back of it. You see it's got two Ethernet ports. So you only need one port, and that just plugs into your network. But if you had two networks for any reason running two different separate networks, it could actually work with both and communicate with both at the same time. Uh, again, for a home use, I don't ever really see that being yeah. a, a need. So you would just have the one Ethernet port. You just plug into your network, and that's all you do. And um does your yeah, network so usually um, need any sort of tweaking to make this work? Or as long as it goes straight into your router, it's typically accessible, right? It goes straight in. As soon as I powered this thing up, uh, there's a web address that you go to. It tells you to go to on your browser that will see it. So it automatically saw it. It saw this. Right. You know, It just told me, hey, I can't really do anything until you put a drive in here. So I'm, I'm kind of yeah. stuck until then. But I mean, right away, out of the box, I plugged in the network. It saw it right away. And it's ready to use it. So, um, yeah, okay. I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I feel like I'm going to be very happy with this. Uh, yeah. I can't wait to get the drives in tomorrow and pop them in and make sure 
Uh, I could be doing a retraction next week. Uh, so just be stay tuned for that in case anything goes wrong with this. Um, but I like the concept. And again, yeah. now is this for everybody? No. I mean, I, I'll, I'll say right away. I, if, if somebody is a, uh, let's say if somebody uh, really does all their like computing from one location, like a desk or a home office or maybe an away office. And that's all they ever really use a computer. And there's really not a need to share files with anybody else inside of a home network or remotely. You probably don't really need this. I mean, uh, or if you're not interested in a media server, you don't need a media server. You're happy with just streaming services and you have no need to kind of keep, uh, other media available to play on your TV or device. If those things don't apply to you, then there's really no need for a NAS. I mean, yeah. you would be just as suited with an external hard drive for running your backups and you're fine. But I think if you are looking at a more robust backup solution for multiple people, if you're looking for a media server option to run, and you uh, have a need to share files and you want to kind of create your own your own private Dropbox, your own private little cloud storage for friends and family or coworkers or whatever it may be. That's when these devices start to really kind of come into play and say, maybe this is a good fit. Um, all told, you know, getting started on this, I mean, uh, the actual NAS unit, this one particular one, which is a very popular one right now, the DS220, I think is, uh, I think it's $299. So right at $300. Uh, and then you've got to get your drives. And the drives can be pricey. You really are supposed to use uh, hard drives that are meant for NAS use. Now, I have read up and kind of research, and, and you can put in any standard hard drive. They're just saying that for the because a NAS is running 24 hours a day, seven days a week, or meant to, you don't shut it off, ideally. It's on. It's always accessible. They just say that standard run-of-the-mill hard drives aren't always going to be as reliable for long-term use in constant use like a NAS may, may use it for. So they recommend drives that are formatted or built for NAS systems, which are which are going to be more expensive. Um, yeah. All told for the system I've got, I mean, with the, the NAS unit and with the two drives, it's about a 500 to 550 range investment. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Uh, more money than I would use for just a backup situation, but because I'm not having to get a backup, new backup system, I'm not having to buy a media server computer uh, to run, and I don't need to buy a Raspberry Pi or some other device to run like Homebridge. Because I'm saving those things, that's my justification why a $500 investment makes sense to get one on this. Hmm. <clears throat> so, okay. Yeah. Um can you, here's a question. Can you, can you set your NAS to backup itself to an online server? That's a good question. I don't know. I'll have to check in that and see. I'd you be know, surprised the, if it couldn't. Um, right. I would think it should be able to, you should be able to have it either. I mean, either going through Synology and saying, Hey, I want to, purchase online access or to yours, or I want to be able to connect to, you know, Google drive or iCloud or something and have it constantly backing up my backup. Um, it seems like that would be a really nice thing because one of the, one of the real struggles I have is, you know, to do online backups, you need to be connected to your internet for a long or a network for a long period yeah. of time. And, 
your computer open and on and all that sort of thing. But if if that's happening automatically when I'm in the house to my NAS, then having it on its own time when I'm not home, <laughs> continuing to do a network backup would be super sweet. Um, yeah, that'd be so a that good would, question. That would be really I'll cool. Research on that and see. You know, because when we when we did talk about backup, and if people really are getting excited about this, like like Alan does, um, you can go back and listen to our backup episode from you know, a year and a half ago, uh, where we talked about kind of the rule of thumb is to, you know, have a bag, have a, a copy that's a physical, you know, in location, then also cloud-based or network-based, right? That yeah. you have something that's not there. So if your house, God forbid, burns down, right? what are you, what are you left with, right? You still potentially have the cloud version of things. Now, now you, of course, do not, or you, you do because you're do. using iCloud, right? You're using iCloud. I use the uh, iCloud storage. Uh, I've yeah. got the family yeah. plan for that. And we store, we, I back up everything that's in my documents and desktop folders to the uh, cloud storage. Yeah. Okay. So I was going to ask, what would be the benefit of still having iCloud or paying for iCloud when you have a NAS like this. And it's just, just that, right. It's just the cloud-based. Right. Cause you're right. Yeah. If something were to happen within the house, I mean, granted th- my laptop is here, this NAS unit is probably going to be six feet away. Okay. Yeah. So there's still a possibility, not even a house on fire, just even this room, something happened. There's just room space. Right. Um, well, let's you're not, right. Let's not talk you, about you should, water. Let's not talk about no, water. No water. Okay. Yeah. But it is the right theory that you should not have all your backups Being in physical, one physical one spot, spot uh, yep. together. So yeah, having the cloud storage, I still think is the right strategy. To me, a perfect strategy is your local copy on your computer, a physical copy somewhere, and it can be in the same building. That's fine. But like another physical accessible copy of yep. it right away. And then a cloud storage. The cloud storage is going to be hard to retrieve. You know, if you've got a terabyte drive of storage on your laptop and it dies, trying to retrieve a, a terabyte of storage <laughs> off of a cloud service will take it's a tough. really long time. So that's not ideal, but it's a great fail safe if your house yeah. were to catch on fire and you lost everything inside of it, then it's great to, that you still have that option. Um, the idea of the local backup, like a NAS backup is, yeah, if my laptop died, I know that, okay, if I get a new laptop, plug it up. This guy has my time machine on it. It's on a really fast performing unit here in my house. I probably within a, a couple hours, I could have it all loaded back up on my laptop and ready to go. Yeah. Um, so that's the nice reason to have a local high performance backup of it. But um, um, but definitely you still want to look at a, a third solution like a cloud storage offsite. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, what would be wonderful is to have a system like this uh, that makes it a media server capable, home bridge server capable, home backup, a a quicker home backup, always accessible, capable. But then also if I had a way of saying, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to back up everything I have to maybe uh, one of the drives on the NAS and potentially then do a setting that says anything that came from these folders, which are really, really valuable, back those up twice or put those on the second drive or something. And then also let's find a way to, to get those from there to, yeah. you know, wherever, Google Drive, Dropbox, Box, somewhere safe, right? But if I can find a way to automate it, and I'm sure that if Synology doesn't do it for you, I'm sure there's a way, a secondary thing yeah. that can 
be automated or come in and say, hey, by the way, I'm going to go dig into that and send it up. Uh, and maybe it just happens from your computer, right? When you're at home, it looks at the NAS drive, takes certain things, backs it up from there, and then deletes the the you yeah. know the, the second version. But I think that's some, some cool of the uh, set that up. Yeah, yeah some of that granularity of how it can actually, what kind of customization you've got on your backup strategy, I'll certainly know within a week or so. I, I just I think yeah. once we get into it, we'll find out kind of what kind of options we got. My goal is just so you know, I think. This in my personal home, I think the two drive setup is is plenty for what I need to do here. I am considering looking at one, a more robust one that would be in my office environment because we do a lot of video files that we have to share and use across yeah. multiple computers and all that. But ideally, I can access the home NAS from my office. I could access the office NAS from my home. <laughs> so yeah. then I, it's, it's truly, I've got connections everywhere. In that case, Brian, you know what I would do oh, is I, I would you, make I sure that exactly what you would do. I would make sure there's a time machine backup of my laptop on my office NAS all the time, and yes. vice versa. Then that satisfies my three rule of making sure it's a third backup that's not in my same physical location. So, so. a backup of the backup that happens on your own backup, which also becomes your backup of your backup from your mm -hmm. work backup. Yeah, I, yes. I know. I know where you're going. I just want to. Oh, yeah. You want to back up everything. Brian, I, I was already a backup nut before the incident that I'm just referring to as the incident now, not going into mm -hmm. any more details on it. But before the incident, even having, I lost five days worth of work um, from that because I got on vacation right before the incident happened. I did a little bit of work while I was on vacation but the last backup I did was like two days before I went on vacation. So I'd lost about five days total. And it wasn't the end of the world. I mean, I know it could have been a lot worse, but even losing that five days and knowing that I they're gone. I mean, I just have no way of retrieving that any anymore. Uh, it's devastating to me. So I'm <laughs> determined to make sure that that never happens again. So, well, yeah, I feel like every time you mention the incident we should have like a moment of silence or something you know yeah like i'm done with it point you know so. well see i didn't even tell you since the last uh since the last uh time about this so the actual you know i i think last time we recorded i had sent it off to new york city to a company to that would actually repair the logic board instead of uh, uh yes instead of yeah, replacing yeah. it well i got a call friday night while i was out, out at dinner that uh, they can't do it. They can't fix it. Oh, they they uh, they said the the damage was too severe. Which again, <laughs> I have still no idea where water got into my laptop. But the fact that, that enough got in there to amazing. cause severe damage. Um, so I'm having to buy a whole nother logic board. Uh, I'm waiting for New York to send it back to me, and then I'm sending it to my local repair shop who's already got a logic board. And ready to install whenever it comes in. And uh, yeah, so that's it. So again, uh, this is a backup device. First, first purpose. Second pur purpose is my, my Plex media server, media. which yep. again, for anybody who doesn't remember kind of what we're talking about with Plex, just that there's that idea of having all of your media in one place that people anywhere on your home network or outside of your network that you give access to, 
can watch your your movies or home movies or whatever you load. You can load any media onto this media server that you want to be able to access. And there is an app for Plex on an Apple TV, on a Roku, on Chromecast, anywhere. So anything I load into my Plex server, any movie I rip from a DVD, or if it's a um, a movie somebody gave me, or if it's a home movie I took off of a iPhone or something, I can put all that in the Plex server. And then we can watch it on our TV set on demand, just like we're browsing Netflix or anything else. Um, and plus I can give people outside of my house access with a login password to go into my Plex server remotely and watch any of the content as well. So Plex, as a reminder, is technically free. There is a subscription model if you wanted certain features on your Plex server, but it's not required. You can use Plex for free and, and do just fine with it. The key is you got to have a device to run it on that is operating 24 hours a day. And it needs to really be a good device for serving up media, which is where a NAS really comes into play. Yeah. Um, so I'm a big fan of Plex. I'm excited to use it with this because I always felt like running it off my old laptop. It was a little limited. I could tell when I was like pulling up a movie off of it on my Apple TV, it was taking, it'd take a little while to get it spun up because it was running off an old laptop kind of uh, just off the internal drive there. And so I'm excited to see what kind of performance I can get off of this and especially giving it to some of my family outside of the house and saying, Hey, try pulling up this home movie from your home location. I want to see how well it plays and how fast yeah. it loads up for you and so forth. So, yeah, that's cool. I think that's yeah. going to be great. Yeah. I'm excited to hear uh, how that turns out. It's good. I'm jealous. So that is, that is jealous. a NAS system. Um, I will be able to report back over the next couple of weeks, just how successful it goes and, and, and kind of what, if there's any other benefits or features I'm maybe not aware of that once I get into it. So we'll probably want to come back and revisit it in a few weeks just to yeah. let everybody know how it's going. So yeah. I have to say, this is something I really wish that um, Apple would do with, you know, maybe the Apple TV boxes, put a, put a port in the back to where you could put in an external hard drive and let it be the media server within your house of some of the files that you have, because, you know, these things have processors in them. Now they have, you know, hard drive space in them for kind of some local streaming stuff. So I really wish they would become a little bit more, maybe, maybe even like a NAS. I mean, so what, you know, what the NAS sounds an awful lot like is the, the time machine or that is it the, the, uh, time capsule, capsule, right. That Apple was using for a while, which was, we're going to throw out Wi-Fi from this box, but we'll also have a backup um, drive on there. So I, I have still have one. I still have mine being mm-hmm. used, and I can save it. Right, they're fantastic. Uh, but again, you're limited in that you can't expand that. Right, you're you're tapped out from what it well, is. Well, you can't expand it. It's not meant for sharing outside of your site. network. Right, right. And it doesn't have any other. It's not got its own smarts, meaning you can't run an application from it. Yep. And like yep. like like we talked about Homebridge or some other uh, uh, apps that need to run all the time like that. So it was a good step in the right direction. And look, if the Apple TV had the functionality you just described of hooking up a external USB drive to serve up my own media. um, If that was, if that was there, I may not have made the jump to like a NAS. I mean, I may just have like a more robust hard drive for, for my time machine backups and that'd be it because 
I also feel like with what um, the whole thread and uh, uh, what's the uh, matter, matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole matter uh, interface that I know uh, home automation devices are moving to. My hope is that in a year or so, we won't really need HomeBridge. That's yep. kind of my hope. So, you know, when you start to do all that, yeah, if the Apple TV had a little more functionality, I may not need a NAS after all. But there's just too many things now that this can serve the purpose of. And uh, Apple just doesn't have a good solution for us out of the box anymore. So this is kind of where we go. Yeah. They don't want to, right? It's not worth their time, maybe. Yeah. I mean, just like they don't offer, you know, Wi-Fi routers anymore. They don't, uh, the airport stuff. I mean, they, I think they realized that just wasn't a business they were really getting a lot of benefit from and not interested in doing anymore. So um, it's fine. So that's all I've got on NAS, Brian. I'll definitely uh, follow up soon to let everybody know how it's going. But, you know, there's some people who may be listening and say, all right, that is actually kind of a situation that could apply to me. Yeah, um, could find some benefit. And if it's justification for a few hundred dollars to put into it, uh, if you get that kind of benefit out of it, that's great. I mean, yeah. Dropbox, getting a Dropbox account, uh, I think a paid Dropbox account with good storage is like $12 a month or something. Um, so, I mean, you could actually have your own private Dropbox that's only shared with people you want. Granted, it would take a lot of $12 months to recoup the cost you would put in here, but to know it's yours, you have local control of it. Yeah, um, and there's other benefits too, right? The media yeah, server piece and everything. Right. So yeah, I think that's so, I mean, great. I think the cost makes sense over time when yeah. you start to add those things up. But um, we'll cool. see. Brian, you want to? Uh, yeah. Just because I've been talking this whole time and I've been spouting <laughs> so much great knowledge and information, I, I don't know if you've got anything. Uh, yeah. You want to try me well, just to kind of close this I out? Do feel, maybe a little I do. Or yeah, or I've, I've actually yeah. got actually two really quick ones, Alan, and uh, and there okay. uh, there are things that have. Um, well, let's just say come across my desk in the last uh, week or two that uh, have been helpful for me and maybe they're helpful for someone else. The first one's going to be very obscure. You may find that hardly anyone else has this issue, but it has happened to me multiple times and I finally figured out what it was, which was not as okay. as obvious right away. So uh, let me set the scene. So email, okay. I've got uh, a few times in which I have switched email clients. You and I think both have talked about this, where we've tried out different email clients. You know, we tried, uh, I can't remember what some of them are called actually now, uh, Spark and some others, right? And then we went back to Apple. We both went back to Apple Mail. Also, when we went to a new computer, I'm, I'm someone who does not... Uh, import from my old computer. When I get a new computer, the, the one of the thrills that I have is to actually set it up from square one. <laughs> yeah. I love um, going through so, and trying to figure out what all the settings are supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Right. That to me, that's well, it's a so great, it's a great refresh moment. Kind of right. like, it's almost like paring down, like, what do I really need right, right. to install? And maybe Not it's a good chance to clear some there, more stuff. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, but here's the, here's the issue, right? And, and you tell me if this comes to, uh, if the solution comes to your head right away, because it didn't for me. Um, so when I went back to a, an Apple Mail updated, I think it actually wasn't even my new computer. I think it was when I updated the software the last time in, uh, in Mac OS and started um, using um, the uh, Apple Mail again. And I would reply to a message. And every one of those replies also CC'd me on that reply. And that was not something that was happening before. So I would go and reply to someone 
And sure mm-hmm. enough, it's putting me as a default CC on my own. So it was like doing reply to all with me included automatically. And that was not happening before Apple had, you know, I had refreshed the uh, uh, the software. Okay. okay. Yeah. Also, it would happen when I come back to mail after, you know, going somewhere else and resetting up mail. Right. So does anything right mm-hmm. away come click to you? Because it didn't no. to me. Okay. Well, let me tell you the unique part about it. And this, just in case someone else has the same situation, if you happen to be in a situation where you are getting a reply to your own messages, I found out that the reason why is because I have an alias at my university. I have one email. I have one email address that they gave me, J-A-C-K with some numbers at Pacific U. And then I have an alias, which is my name, Brian Jackson at Pacific U, right? Okay. Well, when I have that alias, if someone emails me to the alias, but I had set my my uh, email up in the system with just my email address, just the actual login of email address, it thinks it's somewhere else, somewhere else. So when I'm replying mm-hmm. to it, it's also replying to my alias. So I'm mm-hmm. getting it back. Absolutely drove me nuts, right? Okay. okay so right, let me really right. quickly, Alan, I'm going to show, if you don't mind, let me just share this. Oh, sure. Yeah. Let me just show you really quick. Here's what here's what I found. This is in uh, in mail, okay. And if you see over here, if I've gone to the preferences in mail or the system preferences under accounts, mm-hmm. okay, I see the different email accounts that I have. The one that was giving me troubles was my Pacific. This is my university account. We're a Google uh, provider now, mm-hmm. but you'll notice over here that my email address is that J A C K thirty seven four. That's my username for it, right? And then of course I have a password, but it. Brian Jackson at Pacific U is my alias at that university. So if I click here now, I've added Brian as a second email address, but it wasn't okay. there before. So what you we, do is you come in see, here and just yeah, so you know, ahead. we don't see the we don't see the little pop up window. Oh, you're not seeing the pop up. Sorry, the yeah. little so pop up list of email addresses. Gotcha. But we tra- we'll take your word for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I click on email address, you'll see now there are two email addresses. Plus, there's also a button that says or an option that says edit email addresses. Okay. And I know you can't see that yet either, but no. what happens is there's another window that pops up and gives you your first one that says your name and your email address and little plus and minus arrows. So you can add a second one to say, oh, I'm also Brian Jackson at this. I'm also Dr. Jackson at this. I'm also all the aliases so that it knows that if something is sent to me with the other alias, not to reply to all to it, not to add that into it. So, that makes sense. Yeah, Email aliases are... Super helpful and great to have, but they are a little tricky to kind of get your head wrapped they around. Are it's, uh, they I are mean, for somebody like yep. me, I've got about 10 email addresses I use. Yeah. Yep. Um, and three of them are aliases off of other email addresses. But um, it's always yeah. confusing to people because people say, well, Alan, I've got like six different emails on file for you. Which one do I use? And I just say, use any of them because they all right, come to the same place. Yeah. I, I don't care. Um, so in your yeah. case, do you get the, do you get the reply to all issue? Like with mm-hmm. some of your aliases? Okay. Yep. So you must, you must have have them set up on the network side or something. Okay. Well, yeah, on the Google administrative side. So if you have a Google Got administrative it. account, you can set up aliases there and it just knows that, oh, Hey, if something comes for, a Jackson at Jackson yeah. Insight. That's the same as a Jackson at the Jackson Creative, you know, and it just funnels it to the same box. So yeah, it's all good. But with yeah. uh, with a local, that's a good point. Local version yeah. of it, yeah. With your point. own local version, you need to check those aliases if you are getting 
duplicates because that could be why uh, you're getting yeah. those for sure. Okay, one more real quick tip, and this is super fast. Yeah. Um, sure. Is we talked about this previously about it coming mm -hmm. out, but we have never shown it. And I just want to remind people that if you have updated your phone to the new software, which is what uh, 16.1? 16.1 is the latest right now. Yeah. Okay. All right. So 16.1, um, if you have updated to that, uh, and Alan, you can go ahead and uh, share this. I just want to remind you that one of the features we were super excited about was making messages stay unread, even if you've seen them, just like we do with emails, right? If you want to read, mm -hmm. an, read a message or a text and you don't want, or you want to be reminded tonight to still look at that one. Okay. I'm going to go down to my messages, Alan. And so there's my message list. And now I can click on yours. So your picture there, if I click on it, now I have the option here of saying Mark is unread. Hmm. Mark is unread, which means that last text you sent me is now staying unread, which means it's going to remind me to look at my messages again later if I want to respond to you. So please, Perfect. people, this is a fantastic thing to use. You just have to, you know, uh, Apple is not notifying you of this. They're not saying to you, by the way, do this, do this, do this. You need to remember that this is an option because uh, I just had this happen today. Actually, I had someone text me and said, I'm just following up. I never got a response from you before. And I'm like, oh gosh, now I remember you did text me, but I saw it, but I didn't have time to text you back. And of course I had forgotten that it was there. So I should have just made it unread. Um, so anyway, just a and tip that's, to please. Well, that. and that's just super, the whole idea of tagging something is unread. Think about what that does for your, your workflow, your communication flow is that I know for me, I mean, my email program tries to keep any of my unread emails kind of um, together for me to yep. see in one batch. And I just yep. know those are ones I haven't touched yet with text messages. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy to just glance and see a text message, but you're not in a position to deal with it. You're not in a position right. to respond to it yet. You want to respond to it later, but man, text messages, once you've viewed it and it's kind of seen as seen, it's really easy to get lost and forget all about it. It happens to me all the time. So being able to go in and make it unread and it's going to keep that blue bubble on it, make make it look like a brand new message that you haven't got to yet is going to be super helpful. So I'm glad you mm -hmm. reminded us of that for sure. Yeah. And I, and I'm sorry, I was just, I'm sorry for looking down, but I was just wondering whether this is doable on the watch. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe not. I was just going to check and see if, I can look down, see it on the watch and say, please keep this new. I don't know if you can yet or not, but this is it to me. I get it just popped in my head today. I just realized that, oh yeah, I'm going to check and see if that's available. And it is. So I'm going to be using it a lot um, to make sure that I don't forget to respond to certain messages when I have time. So good. That's great. Yeah. There's my couple tip. good tips there from Brian. So thank yeah. you on that. Um, well, I got to contribute. I was happy. That was good. Well, I, I will say not, I know we're about wrapping it up here, but um, I have upgraded my my current Mac to the latest uh, OS Ventura. Oh, you did? Which we can talk about at a uh, later date. Okay. I still need a All little right. bit more time to get my thoughts around it, but... Um, initial, initial, quick, quick uh, one sentence thought. Initially, uh, there's not a lot to talk about. Mm, okay. Um, I'm really not seeing anything that's making me feel like I got an upgraded system at all. 
Okay. And the one thing that has dramatically changed and different, I hate. So ah. <laughs> for whatever that's worth. So um, sometimes when people say it doesn't seem that different, that's a good thing because maybe there's more availability, thing. but it doesn't, yeah. it's not screwing up my system. But what you're saying is that you're not really seeing the benefits either. I mean, somebody came and asked me point blank today, hey, should I upgrade to the latest OS? And I'm like, I mean, I had done really, I don't think it really matters if you do or not. It's, it's, I have not seen in, anything that's really changed my my use of my computer or felt more positive with it. Um, there's a couple of nice features, but even one of the features I was just trying to get working right before this show and I couldn't get to work. Okay. Um, this system settings, though, I'll just tell you, Brian, if you get around to upgrading to the latest Mac system, I really want to hear your thoughts on the what was previously known as system preferences are now called Here's system now. settings. Settings. <laughs> Okay. Can I, we got a minute, right? We got a minute. We got a minute. Got a minute. Can I show you just something real quick? Sure. One minute. One minute. All right, fine. Uh, just because I, I can't hold this in any longer. So, you know, the, the system's preferences, yeah. the whole pain that we're used to right now, which is you go to your system uh, preferences and it's rows of icons and each icon is a different function of system preferences. And you click on the icon and it changes the window and you got all your options to play around with. You can change all your settings. This is currently now with the new OS Ventura on the Mac. This is what the system hmm. settings look like and what right away does it look more like to you than before? Like a finder window. A little bit of that. It looks more like uh, on an iOS device too, because oh. you have, these are all your options. Yep. And here's the crazy thing about this. This window is not resizable. Well, actually no, it's not resizable left to right. It is resizable height wise, but not left to right. Huh. And even when you click into an option, you still got to go scroll down over here. I don't know. It, it's it's not working mm. for me. The whole layout and structure and finding <laughs> things. I actually am finding it more difficult to find things and to get where I need to go on this. <laughs> Maybe it's just not used to it and having to relearn yeah. it. But um, well, my initial my initial thought is I'm happy in that it doesn't take two clicks to get to another preference. You don't have well, to click back and then to another one. You well, have to just click the other one. Do Look you? at the general here, the one I pulled up. If you go general, then you do have to go into another level. Mm. Okay. Then so it back. almost needs to be set up more in column view. Like there needs to be a, yeah. a version of this, this kind of laid out in column, like a finder so that you can dig in, but then also. And the problem since you can't expand it left to right. right. I mean, this is what can't you're stuck with on your width. So I'm not a fan of this yet. I'm, it's not working for me. I'm, I'm going to have to kind of play around with it some more. Mm. That's the biggest like cosmetic noticeable difference when you get into this. I mean, everything. And it has to be that way. You can't. You can't go to classic view or anything. No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Nope. No. So I'm not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of the about this Mac window. That when you pull that up, it is really super. And it's just not. It's, it's just not good. So okay. a couple things. I, mean, I look, it sounds like I'm being very nitpicky. I get it. These are talking about system preferences and all that uh, operating wise. I mean, the computer is still working just like it was before. I'm not really seeing anything change. Luckily there have not been any show stopping bugs or issues with it. Um, we can do a little deeper dive at a future episode. Once you've had a chance to work on it. And yeah. Whenever yeah. you get around upgrading it. So uh, we can do that. That'd be but, cool. Um, 
Yeah. Anyway, I think that's well, you're all really selling it. So I'm super excited to jump into it now. So, I know. Yeah. Really, somebody <laughs> seriously like approached me. He's like, should I upgrade? And I'm like, eh, you know, yeah. eh, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, so it can't hurt, but I don't think it's going to help either. So it's like, do, uh, do it, go for it. Uh, whatever. You only live once. You might as well. So uh, we'll, right. we'll, we'll touch base on that later on. So Brian, cool. Everything we've talked about technology-wise, if anybody wants to get a hold of us, has any of their own thoughts, maybe has somebody's used a, a, a NAS in their own home and wants to talk about that, the application of that, how can they uh, get a hold of us? Yeah, send us an email at info at the mesh.tv. It's info at the mesh.tv. Uh, we do have some uh, some topic ideas that have been coming in and we're trying to try to work those in with some, some things that we, uh, some of the users have suggested, which I think were great. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd love to hear some more. We'd love to get some new ideas. Uh, you can also go to our website at www.brothers-in-tech.com. Brothers-in-tech.com. Very cool. So, yeah, look forward to hearing All from right. you and uh, look forward to seeing you next week. Don't expect a call from me in between. Not that you would no. expect that, but yeah. It needs to be like an emergency um, for me to hear from you in the next six days. Yeah. yeah Otherwise, like I'll just I say, like, I mean, if I wanted to call you and just say, oh my God, I think your backup just got lost or something. Yeah. Just something really well, to freak you out, right? That I need, yeah. That, that'll throw me alarm. off my day for the rest of the day. It'll, I'll be useless. Uh, worrying about my backup after that you and your backup all right Mm. all right brother hey take care man see you everybody take care thanks for watching and we'll look forward to talking to you guys uh next week take care all right bye-bye you've been listening to the mesh an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts sports to entertainment music to community All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.